Welcome everyone to Love My Sheep. We continue in this season of sermons from the late servant of God, Jacob Thomas. He belonged and belongs to the Lord first and foremost. This sermon was actually preached after the last one in episode two, and he makes a very brief acknowledgement of that sermon. So I thought it was appropriate to upload this one now. So this week's sermon is on Elijah, discerning the voice of God, preached on July 31st, 2005. May the Lord minister to your heart and encourage you as you listen. We were hearing about the grace of God uh, in this morning and last Sunday morning. And if you remember last Sunday night, we heard about a man to whom the grace and love of God was shown, Joseph. If you remember, when you are a chosen child of God, when you are a partaker of the grace of God, you will always have this word come and tell you, lie with me. And because you have the grace of God, you refuse. Now, it's so nice to see some new faces that I don't know and presume. You are the parents of these beautiful children who performed so well, and everybody's heart was thrilled. And I know we as a church thank you for sending your children and trusting your children with these great uh, men and women of God. You know, young people, it's always nice to see young people talking about the things of God and talking about trusting in Lord. You know, it was as a teenager that I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal savior. Therefore, I have a a special uh, kind of uh, thrill when I see the young people taking their stand for the Lord. May God bless them. And tonight is to continue about the people who were shown grace. I want to talk about Elijah, the prophet of God, whom we read about in the book of First Kings 17, 18, and 19 chapters. Uh, to most of you, it's a familiar story. Elijah was a great man of God. You know, like all other great men in the Bible, like uh, Melchizedek, uh, this man, we don't know who his parents were. He just appeared on the scene. Uh, before King Ahab. Ahab was a wicked king uh, of Israel. And the things were very, very dark. And sin was on the increase. This man, Ahab, his father, Omri, he killed someone and his grandfather. Everybody was wicked. All the kings of Israel were so wicked in their reign. 
it all happened because of Jeroboam or Jeroboam what do you want to call you know he broke away from the kingdom of Judah and he went and established a nation called Israel and then he said that why should you go to Jerusalem to worship this is the beginning of wickedness why should you worship god in jerusalem why can't we worship him here right in samaria that was their capital and this man for the sake of those who don't know the story this man jeroboam the first king of israel he made two golden calves and he said this is your god who brought you out of the land of egypt see the subtle thing that's in first king chapter 12 okay. and then he says worship god here he doesn't say worship the golden calf worship god and look at this golden calf how nice it is to have something to look at when you worship you know jewish people have a god who is invisible we don't know where he is he says he is here but we don't see him you know so why to go to jerusalem and see this invisible god we have beautiful golden calf and worship him now why i brought that in is we the children of god should be aware of the fact when we stop worshiping the lord or when we worship the lord in the way that he is not prescribed we go astray we don't become sinners by doing sin we sin because we are sinners now you have seen these beautiful children here a small part i think the cream of the crop in that day camp when you heard from the leaders you know how they work yeah. cute little children but wickedness is in their heart including my children or grandchildren every little cute little being you know they have wickedness in their heart not because they want to be wicked because they just because they happen to be a member of the human race that was fallen by the sin of adam they they do what they don't want to do or what they don't like to do okay that's it in that kind of stage you know i don't want to go on too much i want to get to my point to talk about prophet elijah this man like i said who had no genealogy who didn't know where he was just known as the man from tishbite he comes before the king ahab like ahab had a wicked wife called jezebel and she wasn't a jewish person she was a sidonite a gentile who worship baal the babylonian worship just imagine how they have fallen and then one fine morning this great man 
you know, he doesn't look very attractive. A rough, rugged personality, a rustic man. He comes and stands before the king and says, There is not going to be any rain or dew before I tell you. Can you imagine that? Already there was no rain in the land. Everything is being destroyed. You know, you got to remember in that part of the world, even here too, when there is no rain, everything is ruined. There is no crop, no food. People starve. And then this man of God comes and says, it will not rain unless I tell you. You know, Elijah was a man of prayer. We read in James chapter 5, I don't have time to go into that. If you want to, you can always note down and read it at home. James chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, we read about Elijah, who was a man of like passion in King James Version. A man like us. But he was a righteous man who prayed. And the prayer of the righteous man avails much. So, you know what was Elijah's prayer when the land was suffering from lack of rain? And you know what is that hot and humid and all those things. And here, the man of God prays, Lord, don't send rain. It's very different from the prayer I pray and we pray. When there is famine in the land, you and I will say, let's pray that the Lord send rain. Let's come together and ask the Lord, send rain. Let us not perish. Have mercy on these people. But the man of God, the prophet of God says, God, do not send rain. We got to pause there and think, why did he pray that? We got to stop and think how we should pray. You know, according to First Corinthians chapter six, verse seventeen, we are the servants of God working together in the same spirit. Now every Christian here has the same spirit as the Lord Jesus Christ and every one of us here, whether you are a pastor or a deacon or doesn't matter, if you are a Christian, you are working with the Lord in the same spirit. And you have to have the mind of Christ. To walk with God, you have to agree with him. And here the prophet says, do not send rain because according to the commandment given by the Lord in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 11, Lord said, I will send you rain if you live according to my law. 
if you don't live according to my law i will stop the rain your land will have no rain now remember in the life of a christian rain is very important now you know in natural sense usually people complain when it rains isn't it we all complain you know i joke you know i'm not a very humorous person but i still say you know this is the only season that we pray for send us the rain send us the rain isn't it lot rain and the former rain okay why do we pray for rain a christian is one who depends upon rain so there is a difference you know when then again when you get home you can read deuteronomy chapter 11 and there god tells them what kind of land god brought them out of god brought them out of the beautiful land of egypt now when you say egypt you know in those days and even now you know the egyptian cotton and you know egypt of wheat and all kinds of thing the egypt is a fertile soil land because of the river nile now this wide huge river and a lot of fertility fertile every the bank of the river each bank of the river is fertile soil and they get plenty of uh, cotton and wheat and barley and rice and all kinds of things and it says in deuteronomy chapter 11 therefore when they want prosperity where do they look they look down at the river they want to see plenty of water in the river and they are happy when the river is overflowing they look down that was the same thing in the land where abraham was called out of he was called out of the land of ur the present iraq babylon there they have the river euphrates that's what they do their prosperity depends upon the river now now if you read the ancient history you will find all the civilizations they all started by the river side that's how it is you know how come when it comes to even canadian history you know the harbors that where uh, they came the st john's harbor in newfoundland toronto harbor and you know montreal all these harbors so anyway that's beside the point the people for prosperity look down at the land but when it comes to the people of god we don't look down where do we look we look up we don't depend upon the things of this world the lord doesn't want us to <coughs> depend upon the river 
He wants to have our eyes fixed up to the heavens. Oh Lord, send us rain. Now, Elijah said this, just to get to the point, when we pray, we got to pray according to the scripture. We just cannot pray anything. We got to remember, that's why we remember we pray how? At the end of the prayer, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we cannot ask anything on behalf of Jesus Christ. We have to ask only what he wants. That's what the prophet did. Now, interesting thing. Okay. Just after that, the word of the, verse 2, if you have your Bible open, 1 Kings 17, verse 2 says, The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and hide behind the brook Keris. Now, that is your life, child of God. After having this great victory, we read, you know, Elijah put his head between his knees. He's kind, in our words, depressed. And now God tells him, you go and hide. You know, child of God, there are times that your God tells you, don't be seen by anyone. You know, when you read Acts chapter 17, when you come to the New Testament history, the beginning of the church, Paul and Silas want to go to Asia and Bithynia. What happened? They were told by the Holy Spirit, don't go to Asia. Can you imagine that? And then God tells him, a Macedonian call, go to Europe. Go to Philippi. And they obeyed the spirit. They went there. What a strange place. No temple there. No godly people there. And there was a small group of ladies under the leadership of Lydia coming together in the river bank. And studying the word of God. Paul and Silas go there. Then you know the story. They ended up in jail. Now, the Christianity we think is totally strange from this way, isn't it? Here the Holy Spirit stopped them. They could, have, they could have said, oh my, what an opportunity we, we had. We could have built the biggest church in Asia Minor. Now the Holy Spirit stopped us from going there and brought us here. Now look, Silas, what is this? We are in jail. The way of God is so different. Okay. Now, the thing is, the voice of the Lord came to Elijah and told him to go and hide. You know, now that's something, you know, I personally 
find it very difficult sometimes. How can I know the voice of God? It's very easy to say, I heard the voice, the Lord told me to go, and so on. You know, that's it. You know, very rightful thing to say. But how can we say? How can we understand? How can we discern the voice of God? You know, how can we discern the voice of God? You know, when I talk, or usually when I call someone, usually people recognize my voice. Okay. Because they know my accent. They know my voice. Those people who are used to me have no problem to know or to discern my voice. That's the same with the Christian. You get used to the voice of your master. You get used to the tone and character of your God. And that's why Elijah went to this brook and those who know the story again know what happened to the brook. What happened to the brook? The brook dried up. What kind of God is this? The lesson is simple, I told you before. Don't get used to looking at the brook. Don't get used to looking down. Learn to look up. All the brooks you see, they will all dry up one of these days. Everything you have and I have, there's no guarantee that will last as long as we are here. They will all come to an end. Stop looking to the broke. God has promised us a land of early and latter rain. Now then God tells him to go from here. And where? Good to Sidon, the village okay, of Sarephath. Now remember, that is not a Jewish place. That's a Gentile land. That's where Jezebel come from. And then he says, I have commanded a widow to take care of you there. <laughs> you, you know, you and I can understand if the Lord tells us to go to some rich man. Now Elijah is a Good, practicing Jew. He could understand if God tells him, you go to a place where I have prepared a nice place and a good cook who can cook the best kosher food you can find in the world. He would have understood it. What a place to go. This is my God. Look, God provides everything. But that's not the way all the time. Don't get me wrong, there could be a time for that too. 
But in the life of Elijah, we find him going to a widow in a Gentile land. Oh, the man of God knows that God sent me here. So he goes and tells the story, you, you know, tells the woman, make me a bread. And he tells the story, what are you talking about? There's no, no flour anywhere. There's no oil anywhere. I have a little bit of flour in the bin and a drop or two of oil in the jar. This is my last meal I'm going to make for me and my son. Then we are going to die. Then prophet says, that's okay. There will be flour in your bin all the time and your oil will never dry. You just make me a bread. And that's what happened. It kept on going. And then, suddenly, her only son dies. And then she realized. Then she calls him man of God. Now I want you to remember, she never called him man of God when she saw her bane and jar her material blessings. She never took him as the man of God. She never called him as man of God. But now, here is death. Where there should have been life, her only son. And he, she comes and tells him, what have I done? Why do, why do you do this to me? And that's where, you know, it was so nice. You know, like I said, the young people dedicating their time and talents and energy, you know. And I know the Lord will help them to understand what Elijah did. You know what Elijah did? He took this dead body and he took this beautiful child, the only child of the widow, and went into his room and laid him on his bed. This is what we, we Christians are supposed to do. There are dead bodies all around us. Take those bodies into our bedroom where we are alone. Feel the pain of others. Feel the cold, dead body. Lay it on your bed. And what did Elijah do? laid himself over the dead body. Hand to hand, eyeball to eyeball, he identified himself with death. That's what our calling is. 
And then the boy came to life. And the widow was happy. Presented to him. You know, the bread or the flour and the oil were good things. They were blessing. But it is the life that made her realize the God of Israel. A Gentile woman gave her heart to the Lord. She started praising because life came to her dead son. Now I want to go on, you know, if, like I said, I don't have much time. You're getting tired and the summer evening I'm supposed to close by now, if usually. Okay, but I'll take a few more minutes and bear with me and may the Lord continue to speak to you. Now Elijah, after all these three years or so, went back to Ahab. Now you would think when you go back to Ahab, Ahab will be scared of him. And you remember what he said, what Ahab said? Are you the man who troubles Israel? Now Christians, we are always slandered and accused of troubling this world. We are the people who turn this world upside down. That's what we read somewhere in Acts 17 or somewhere there. The early Christian. Turn the world upside down. Are you the one who troubles you? And Elijah says, no, it's not me. It's you who trouble the Israel. Okay. And then, you know, Elijah preaches there to the people, his people. How long will you halt between two opinions. Chapter 18, verse 21. And then he says, in chapter 18, 22 to 24, the God who answered by, by, oh, come on, the God who answers by, fire, let him be God. God who answers by, fire. See, we have a living God who answers by fire, by fire. You know, what is this fire? What kind of fire? Our God answers by fire that purifies, fire that sets you free from the habits that you cannot get rid of. The fire that sets you free. That is the fire. Okay. Now, I had to go fast, forward. Okay. Now, Elijah says, we'll make an altar. And you ask your God, and if your God sent, from, sent uh, fire from heaven, your God is a God, okay, I will also worship, we will all worship your God. This is the test. And you know what happened. If you don't know, read 
18th chapter of first king they did it they did everything they cut themselves they cried they shouted and it's very interesting verse 27 you know elijah mocks at them there are times that a child of god has to mock the way of the world it may not be politically correct but we have to there are times that we have to take a stand and call the spade a spade a spade and here elijah telling the prophets of bed now you cry aloud maybe your god is sleeping wake him up maybe he is walking maybe he is doing this and you know another thing in the king james it says maybe he is pursuing you know what i actually the meaning of that is elijah is telling maybe your god is sitting on the toilet call him wake him up tell him to come out of it and then elijah realized all the people realized this god is not going to answer by fire then what you know what elijah did elijah told him bring water make the altar wet child of god you have to read that words with fear and trembling the altar has to be wet with our tears you have to have our hearts broken many times in our life we don't see the fire coming down because we haven't wet the altar with our tears and elijah wet the altar saturated with water our sacrifices have been too dry we need repentant tears then fire comes down and james says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much we have to be burden bearing people trans the altar with tears and then the people will say the lord he is god only when the fire falls the holy spirit transforms the situation only when the fire falls the fleshly things burn our pride our fear our ambition our selfishness our lust they will all be burned to ashes on the altar wet with tears 
Now this is Elijah. You know, Elijah was taken up to heaven. Enoch walked with God and Enoch was not. He was taken up in the same manner. Okay. Enoch lived before the flood. And here Elijah after the flood, after the time of Noah, he was taken up. And even now, at the time of Passover, you know, when we have the Easter, the Pesach, the Jewish people call it, and they have a feast called Seder Feast. The whole family come together. And at this feast, they make the right kind of food according to the recipe approved by the religion. And they have one plate on the table for Elijah. Even now they do it. And before they eat, the youngest girl in the family will go and open the door to see if Elijah is there. They don't know. Jesus told them, Elijah has come. He says, John the Baptist. He has come. But the world cannot understand it. This Elijah has come. And this evening I just cannot close it. Without saying the fact. Jesus said. Elijah has come. In John the Baptist. And what John the Baptist did was he prepared the way for the Lamb of God. He went ahead and made a way for the Messiah to walk. The path is ready. It's paved. Elijah goes before the Messiah and the Messiah Most of the people here know in their heart that he has come. Most of the people know it is not just a historical fact. Most of the people feel it in their lives. Elijah has come. Why Jesus has come. Not only he has just come, he has come into my heart. And he has made me different. What a wonderful thing it is for us to know that Elijah has come and he prepared the way and now Jesus has come. Now I want to read one more verse from uh, the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12. And those who find it strange words, I hope, will pray that the Lord will make his words clear to you. It's only the Holy Spirit who can make it plain and simple to you. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 22. But you 
have come to Mount Zion. Not to Sinai. Years ago we used to sing, not unto Sinai, not unto Sinai. Because we couldn't come to Sinai. Sinai, God said, don't come near. If you touch the mountain, you will die. Even if an animal come near the mountain, he will die. Keep away from me. God says, I'm burning fire. I'm holy God. You cannot come near me. Go, go. Do not come near to me. But actually, in King James, it says, but now you are come. Not you have come. There is a difference again, as we learned in Sunday school this morning. You are come. The Holy Spirit has brought you to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. You are come, verse 24, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. The Holy Spirit brings you. To this mountain. To the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you haven't. Accepted. Or in another words, if you haven't opened your heart to this Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, tonight may be a night in which you will open your heart to this Jesus, the mediator. And the rest of us who has accepted this Jesus may it be a time to make a decision that I'm going to identify myself with the dead bodies of this world. I have complained and condemned enough. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be an Elijah. I'm going to lay myself on the dead body. And I'm going to say, Lord, raise him up. I'll feel the cold of the wages of death. And I will have my ears open to hear the voice of God. I don't know where he leads. It's nice to hear a young man, Christian, saying, I didn't know what to do. The voice of God. You know, that is the peculiarity of the voice of God. It sometimes or most of the time goes against the grain. 
There is a reason. Because the, the Lord doesn't want you and me to do anything on our own. He just wants to take over our life. He will make us do the things he wants to do in and through us. And that's what that second Corinthians we read. You know, we are co-workers with him. The spirit of God is upon him. And may the Holy Spirit speak to you. I hope you will think about it as we stand to pray. Shall we all stand and take a moment of silence for the Holy Spirit to deal with us. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, know that I love you and the Lord loves you the most.